Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation. Candid discussion about addiction and recovery with the people who have lived it, along with input from experts on the journey from struggle to triumph. Laugh, cry, and be inspired. And now, your host for Recovery On Air, Donna Alexander. Welcome to Recovery On Air, the show in which we try to break the stigma of addiction by talking about it. I am your host, Donna Alexander. And I'm your guest host, Greg Halverson. And I am absolutely thrilled today to have in the studio with us, Brandon Lee, a former journalist and the owner of Art of Our Soul. Brandon, I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, it's good to see you, Donna. Good to see you, Greg. Um, You're not fishing. Clearly today, <laughs> taking a day, taking a day you off fishing. I know, yeah, and I, you, I know. I just, yeah. I love following his Instagram. He's like always holding a big fish. Do you always know what kind they are? I, I'm not a fisherman, Me, though. And I don't know. I'm like looking at. I am. I'm from Wyoming, and I'm like, what is that? I gotta remember to ask him. What is that gold one? Because I don't always know. No, fishing is. You know, some people I think probably like it for like the peace and the serenity of being out there on a river like fishing like they love that peace and serenity it's not action enough for me I'd get too bored oh right I've seen you in your studio I completely understand (laughs) that right now so um let's do this let's get Mm -hmm. a little bit into your story and how you ended up where you are now because that's how this whole journey began for you is is your story of recovery yeah boy what a trip that is uh to get where I am today um you know I I always tell people when I first share my my story that addiction does not discriminate. Okay. It does not care how much money your parents had, what community you grew up in. I grew up in Orange County, California, Laguna Beach. Um, I was a little surf rat kid. Um, you know, and I think when, you know, Laguna Beach is, Orange County is a very wealthy part of the country. You know, I grew up very privileged. I was a privileged little white kid. I really was. Um, you know, I never had to worry about a roof over my head. I never had to worry about food on the table. Those were not worries for me growing up. I went to, um, Catholic high school. Um, I played international soccer when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. So I had all everything given to me, right? So people in my community started to ask a question when they read my book, Mascara Boy, when it was published back in 2019 and they read it, people who helped raise me. And they were like, they were stunned. Like, how did Brandon, one of the happiest little kids, how did he become a cocaine addict at the age of 15? How did he... Ast- have sex with men in their 40s and 50s at the age of 15. I was a sex addict and a cocaine addict. And the fact of the matter is, not only does addiction not discriminate, trauma does not discriminate. And I tell people that, you know, from the ages of 7, 10, I was repeatedly molested as a child, um, not only by my youth soccer coach, but by my piano teacher and also my next door neighbor. And so from the ages of seven to 10, I went into survival mode, um, extremely sexualized as a child. So no wonder at the age of 15, um, you know, our brains aren't fully developed at age 15, but the moment cocaine was given to me and, and I tried it, I just knew at 15 that that just felt better than how I felt before. Um, I didn't understand why. I was just like, well, this just feels better. So I kept chasing that feeling good. Um, and then eventually, you know, I was a really high functioning addict, um, you know, was always operating in survival mode. Um, and I always had straight A's, was a really good athlete and had all that. Um, I eventually went to New York, uh, to go to NYU and, um, you know, survived nine 11. Um, I was oh, actually wow. trapped underground on the subway that oh, day. My gosh. Um, I was on the a train on my way to 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Cause I worked at NBC news at the time. Um, and I was on the train trapped underground and we had to escape through the man crate covers, above ground. Um, and I was one of those thousands of people who were running for our lives, um, that day when those buildings came down. And did I ever consider that to be trauma? No, I didn't. And so it's just no wonder why my life kept spiraling and I kept turning to more drugs, more drugs and more drugs. I'll fast forward to the very end. Um, I was a news anchor, uh, for KTLA five in Los Angeles, California. Um, the news would get off the air at 10 35 and I'd be in the parking lot getting high on drugs. Um, 
I knew that the drugs that I was using at the time, it would give me about 15 minutes before where I needed to go. Um, and I ended up overdosing um, and cracking my head open. I ended up in a coma at Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital for an entire week. Uh, when I eventually came out of that coma, um, I was surrounded by a team of doctors and the chief neurosurgeon came down and says, Brandon, uh, you've been in a coma uh, for about a week now and you have bleeding in the brain. We need to put you back under and do brain surgery tonight. Um, I wasn't done. And so I literally walked out of that emergency room um, in my hospital robe and those socks with the little rubber sticky pads underneath (laughs) them and unhooked myself from the machines, Uh, walked right down uh, Hollywood Boulevard and I found my truck. And the last thing consciously that I remember is me getting high again. Um, I woke up a week later in the same hospital in the same ER and the same team of doctors who'd saved my life. Um, This little nurse, I call her itty bitty. I think she was four foot nine. Um, (laughs) She came over to my hospital bed and she said, Brandon, do you believe in God? And I looked at her and I said, no, I don't. Because at the time, my drugs of choice were meth and heroin. Um, I always tell people I inhaled the devil uh, into me. And when I was high on those drugs, I was hanging out with people who worship Satan. Um, The best way I can describe it that I understand it now, why I went so dark was that those drugs just unleashed the anger uh, that was inside of me uh, from all the trauma, the unhealed trauma uh, that I suffered as a child. I am a true believer, okay? I'm a true believer that unhealed trauma is the gateway to addiction, all right? If, if somebody is a constant relapser and they're struggling and they've just gone to AA meetings, right? They just do 12-step meetings, it's not enough. Okay. Uh, those meetings will not heal your trauma. All right. So I always tell people you want it, you want long-term sobriety. You have to go back and you have to heal that trauma. Um, you know, she held my hand and she goes, you know, I told her no. And she goes, well, that's okay. Cause God still believes in you. Um, she goes, I've saved your life twice in two weeks. And I, and I need you to do me this favor. I'm going to give you $10 out of my pocket. Um, and when they, let you out of this place, this hospital. I need you to go to my church. It's on Melrose and Mansfield. There's an AA meeting there on Thursday nights. Um, before I, I left that hospital, they sent me up to the mental health unit, clearly, because two right. hospital Absolutely. overdoses, right? And there was this guy, and he was doing intake on me, and he looked at me, and he goes, Brandon, why are you so angry? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, why are you so angry? And I'm like, I'm not angry. Ask any of my friends. They'll tell you I'll be there for them. I'll do anything for them. He goes, Brandon, why are you so angry? And I said, if you ask me that damn fucking question one more time, I'll show you how angry I can get. And he looks at me again and he says, why are you so angry? Do not answer. He goes, Brandon, anybody who's been doing what you're doing to your body. I was a bug chaser at the time. I was trying to get HIV. Okay, That's how twisted my thinking was. I tried to get it so I didn't have to worry about getting it. And he goes, anybody who's doing what you're doing to your body is not happy. Why are you so angry? And he, that man was not a doctor. He was not a psychologist. He wasn't even a therapist. What I come to find out, he was 15 years sober off crystal meth. There you go. He was the first person who saw me. He was the first person who cut through that fortress of that little boy. I had to build a fortress around me so nobody else can hurt me. That peer was the first person who cut me open. And, you know, um, suffice to say, I was, had been sober ever since that day. Um, you know, fast forward to where I'm at today. Okay, last year, 2020, it was really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, it wasn't just hard for me. I'm not special because I was a journalist, but it was really hard for everybody. But as a journalist, COVID became my everyday at the beginning of the year, right? It was COVID this, COVID that, hospitalizations this, um, you know, positivity rate this, this many people dying in the ICU. It was just everything. Well, guess what? That became political. Yes. And as a journalist, I became enemy number one, right? People called me the enemy of the people, Okay. And so that turned in on my 40th birthday, George Floyd was murdered. Yep. Right. Covering those protests, covering those rallies every day was not easy. That too became political. Once again, I become political enemy number one, right? It's just like, you're awful. You're, you know, people spew, spitting on you, people spewing hate at you. And then the election happened in 2020. How gross was that on all sides? It was yep. so disgusting. And Again, becoming not only public enemy number one, I happen to be 
anchoring my CBS News at um, CBS Five News at six thirty at the time when when I came in and my producer gets in my ear and says we have breaking news, um, Maricopa County just certified the election results. Ready for this? This is how I said it. Maricopa County just certified their election results. Uh, Joe Biden won Maricopa County and therefore he won the state of Arizona and therefore he wins the national election because he gets the state's eleven electoral votes. Done and done. Ready? I just spewed yeah. it off. I can spew it off again. Like that's all I said. I ended up getting death threats to my phone within one minute after wow. receiving, after going on the air with that, to the point that the authorities knew where I was getting these death threats on, and my life was in danger. Wow. And that sent me into fight or flight. Right. Okay. I started violently shaking at night to the point that I didn't see a way out for me anymore. And for seven hours, I relapsed. Yep. Okay. So this was in 2020. This was in 2020. And I relapsed and for seven hours and something came over me in those seven hours. And you can ask me this later. I do not share my time in recovery. I do not tell people how much time I have in recovery because it does not matter. Okay. Right. Ever. It does not matter. And then right. you can ask me later why. Um, but I had that seven hours. Well, being a good AA or for so many years, I carried a lot of shame from that relapse. Why? Because at that point, what I have to do, turn in all my medallions for a white chip. Right. right. Here, I got to go cash this in and start over from day one, just like other people who relapse. Why don't we just start admitting this? I ask everybody who comes into my art program, how much relapse, how much, how many of you have experienced relapse? A hundred percent of their hands raise up. So why don't we just start admitting that relapse is part of our story? It is part of the journey. Does it have to be? No, we have that saying in AA, relapse doesn't have to be part of your story. Well, guess what? It is a high majority of our story. So let's just admit it. Okay? We don't chase perfection. Perfection does not exist in any other facet of our lives. So why do we have to be perfect in recovery? It's false hope. And so, and you can ask me questions about this, but I'll, I'll finish by saying how this came to be. I had so much shame from that relapse. What'd I do? I went out. This last January, I got a gun, put a bullet in the chamber, and played Russian roulette on the edge of my bed. 11 months ago because I didn't see a way out for me anymore. I thought myself as a failure that nobody would ever believe me or trust anything that I said anymore. I've been a mental health advocate and I've recovered out loud. How can me, yeah. Brandon Lee, be a keynote speaker at mental health summits and I relapse for seven hours? Let me ask you this hypothetical. Uh, we're done. Uh, you don't have to answer this, but rhetorical question. Did I lose all of that experience, strength, and hope until I had those seven hours? No. No, absolutely not. No. But I didn't see a way out, and I wanted to take my life. Now, one thing I don't change out of my program of recovery every Tuesday, I do two hours of talk therapy with my trauma therapist. Did I tell her I relapsed? No, I didn't. Why? Because of shame. Did I tell her I bought a gun and put a gun and pointed at the temple of my head every night? No. Why? Because of shame. She got on that appointment with me and she said, Brandon, something came over me over the last 48 hours and I don't come at my patients like this ever. But I have to say this, are you thinking about taking your life? And shock, yes, came out of my voice. Wow. Like, yes, like how did you know? Yes. She goes, that's okay. She goes, starting on Thursday, you're gonna meet with Toby. He's a trauma therapist, but he's a shaman. And in January of this year, it's the one modality that I have never done. Shamanism. I've done yes. everything, EMDR, neurofeedback, brain mapping. I've done everything, but I began shamanism. It's deep breath work, gets me past the frontal lobe, gets me to the lower part of my brain where all that trauma is stored. I began to see my life on a film strip back from my childhood and began to going back and healing that inner child. I stopped violently shaking. In April of this year, I started waking up. A little boy was coming at me and waking me up in the middle of the night, throwing a bucket of paint at my head, and I couldn't go back to bed. Toby, my shaman, looks at me and goes, starts laughing. And he goes, I'm going to tell you what's happening. You are healing that inner child. I call him little B. You are healing that inner child. He feels safe now to come out. And all he wants to do is play with you. He goes, Brandon, let me ask you this. Have you ever been an artist? And I said, that's so weird you ask me that. I said, because when I first got sober eons ago, my sponsor told me, you need a hobby. Alone time is going to be your most dangerous time. 
wheels start to spin, I get anxious, a little swirly. He goes, you need a hobby. Go to the art store, pick up some canvas, pick up some paints. Now, I was a little dick when I first got sober, like so (laughs) many of us. And I looked at him and I said, yo, do I look like a fucking professional artist to you? (laughs) And he said, I didn't ask you if you were an artist. I told you to go to the fucking art store and pick up some canvas, pick up some paints, and that's what I did. Um, It went dormant for a long time, but my shaman goes, well, maybe Brandon, it's time for you to go pick up some paint again. So April of this year, I started picking up paint and I start waking up with these vivid dreams of artwork. Well, on July 8th of this year, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, must have, I don't remember waking up, but there was a note written on my nightstand when I woke up that next morning and it's on the entryway into my art studio. Oh, I've seen it. And it says studio, gallery, and school. It meant nothing to me. So I get on with my shaman. I said, dude, man, what does this mean? And he smiles back. And he goes, I do know what this means, but I'm not going to tell you, you have to go and discover this on your own. I'm not going to rob you of that experience. He goes, do me this favor, continue to do artwork, okay? And keep that paper towel that you wrote that note on. And I did. Two days later, 48 hours later, I had an epiphany. I was walking down 12th Street. The hair on my arm stands straight up. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I text Toby and I said, Toby, I think I know what that dream means. He goes, I'll see you in one hour. And I said, Toby, I was like, I think I am supposed to open up an art healing program for recovering addicts and trauma survivors. And he says, Brandon, congratulations. You've just found your life's purpose. Now go build it. That was July 8th. Two months later, I quit mid-contract from a job I had for 22 years as a main anchor. I'm 41. Ask anybody in my business, men in news don't hit their prime until 50. I happen to be one of the youngest male anchors in the country in a major market. And I left it. Why? Because I found my purpose and it was revealed. And I opened up Art of Our Soul months after July 8th of having that vision. Now think about this, if you're listening right now, the reason why I don't count my time, if you're getting your master's degree, it's pass or fail. You're in your third year, life gets tough. You got kids, you got a job, and you fail a class. Does the dean of students come to you, Donna, to come to you, Greg, and say, you know what, you fucking failed. Why don't you go back to year one, class one, and start this program over? True. They don't do that. It would be too daunting because that person didn't lose all of the knowledge, the experience, and the education that they had making them to year three. You figure out what you did wrong. You pick yourself up and you continue on. Done. 2017, I ran the New York City Marathon. Okay? Our bodies are not meant to run 26 miles at a seven-minute mile pace. Now, I'm a good addict and an athlete, so I I wanted to make the Boston Marathon time. So just... Finishing the race wasn't good enough for me. Mile marker number 17, my body breaks down and I collapse on Fifth Avenue, okay? A race official comes over to me and I'm I'm screaming, crying. I'm not gonna make Boston, I'm not gonna make Boston. The race official goes, whoa, 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 what? Take a breath, take a breath. What's wrong? I'm not gonna make Boston, I'm not gonna make Boston. She goes, what's your name? I said, Brandon. She goes, Brandon, are you trying to win the New York City Marathon? And I was like puzzled. She goes, because if you are, they just finished the race about an hour ago. She goes, how about this? What's wrong? My legs are cramping. She goes, okay, I'm going to go get a Theragun. I'm going to go get you some electrolytes. You're going to drink everything I give you. And I'm going to get up with you. And I will walk with you to the finish line. She gets me everything. I get up. We start walking. And I jog. She pats me on the back and goes, now go finish this race. Did she tell me? To go back to Staten Island, mile marker number one, and start the race over? No. Why? I would have never done it. Let's take the word continuous out. Let's stop asking people how much time you have. Quantity of time means nothing. It is the quality of the time. Okay? Quality of it. And that's what I want people to know. You know, I, I I hear exactly what you're saying. And one of the things that I have noticed in being in so many meetings is some of the people that will get up and say, I have 33 years right. of sobriety. I wouldn't trade my few little years for their sobriety for anything <laughs> no. because 
for me too, is quality. Now, I don't know about all of this other stuff, you know, but what I do know is there are different levels of quality of recovery. Right. And um, I know that Greg and I do programs all the time. When people right. ask us, we, we say yes. You know, I just got him last week. Greg, I had my guy <laughs> call. Can you come and speak for me? He didn't hesitate. Right. Of course. Right. You know, and I think that those are the things that I look at with people who have a strong recovery. You know, because I also know people who have multiples of years and are miserable and don't do anything for themselves or anything for their recovery. I don't want that. Well, when I speak it, when I speak around the country, what really started to get me to really think about it when I would be speaking, you know, I used to go to AA conferences, be a circuit speaker is what we call them. Um, and guys would come up to me and they said, Hey Brandon, will you be my sponsor as a good AA or myself? Right. I was just like, what's my follow up question? Well, how much time do you have? Right. right. It's always, what's your name? Second follow up. hundred percent of the time is how much time do you have? Right. Well, we don't realize what we're doing. We're sizing somebody up subconsciously, maybe not conscious, consciously, but subconsciously. If you tell me, Donna, oh, I have three years, I would have stood up and said, well, I have umpteen years. Right. What does that automatically do? You listen to me. I'm the authority. Right. right? So guys would come up to me saying, hey, Brandon, will you be my sponsor? Good air. How much time do you have? Oh, 35 years. Well, I have seven. So wait a second. Wait, I have seven. Like at that time, I was like, why do you want me to be your sponsor? I want what you have. Wait a second. I'm like, okay, wait, you want what I have at seven years. You have 33, 35 years. If the quantity of time actually meant something, you should be sponsoring me. He goes, well, my life's a mess. And I'm like, well, if that's what I have to look forward to with the word continuous sobriety, congratulations on collecting all those medallions. For me, those medallions, ready? I hit year one. What happened on year one? On my birthday, I was like, eh. I can't, nah, one's not enough. I got to hit two. If I have the number two next to me, then I'll, people take me seriously. What happened on my year two? I didn't even celebrate that day. I was already like, no, three is much better than two. So once I hit three, that's just a better number. Well, guess what? When I had my third birthday, I just skipped over four and said, I got to wait till five. It was never about actually enjoying that moment. And I tell people, listen, those chips, those medallions became ego for me. I cared more about collecting those chips, having an applause, collecting that year than I actually did about the wellness of my life. Yeah. You know, I, I actually am really super fortunate that God gave me a lesson on that early. My sponsor who worked her ass off to help me get where I was, wasn't going to be in town. And I'm like, you know what? I can wait. And I did. And it taught me that it doesn't matter about the applause. It doesn't matter about anything except for what was going on between me and my God yeah, and me and my sponsor and the other stuff. Yes. I do. I pick up medallions. I do. Yeah. But you know, I, I hear what you're talking about with the continuous sobriety. Um, and I'm not sure yet I can process that. You know, yeah. that's what I can do today is I can say, I don't know. Yeah. I'm here in your point of view though. And I find it very interesting. Well, on, I'm in the middle of writing work. another book. Ready for this? It's called Seven Hours of Dark, How a Relapse Saved My Life. Yep. I am so grateful for that relapse last year. You want to know why? Had I not had that relapse last year, it wouldn't have led me to the shame that led me to a um, suicidal ideation, which eventually led me to my shaman, which eventually revealed my purpose. Had I not had that relapse a year ago, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today as the owner of Art of Our Soul and right. our healing and therapy program for recovering addicts. That purpose would not have been revealed to me had I not had that relapse. That's why I flipped the script on it. I'm actually grateful for that relapse. It shook me to my core. It got me to reach out to a modality that I have never done before. So fuck that. I'm grateful for that relapse. Right. I'm proud of that relapse. Right. As a matter of fact, I am further, I have furthered my soul's life, okay, after that relapse. Because had I not, I still would have been miserable in a job that I wasn't super passionate about anymore, just kind of living life. But now I get to help people on a day-to-day basis all because of that relapse. And don't you find that, so so for me, because I have a very traumatic childhood as well, like really bad, and I never quite understood what that was all about until I started getting into recovery, started finding myself. And then I found Crossroads and I got my job there. Mm. And I said, ah, for me, just like you, this is what all of that's been about. And it gave me such a sense of peace to know that 
all of that stuff that I'd been through, there really was a purpose, there really was a reason, and it was to help, in my case at this point, other women. Right. You know, when they would come into the office and they would say, this happened to me and this happened to me, and I'd say, is it okay if I share my story with you? And then just take that piece out that pertained to what they were going through, and it gives such hope to people. Yeah to know that that it's okay. You're going to be okay. You know, there are people who have been through what you've been through and we can make it to the other side and we can have a fulfilling, happy, stable life. Right. So I think that, you know, your story is so important as you're talking, I keep getting the little chili bumps. I'm yeah. like, yes, affirmations. Well, you know, you know what it is? It's like, I, you know, every time I'm so blessed to have, you know, groups like Crossroads come into Art of Our Soul, right? And, the last group I had was was guys in a different system. Like you know, they're facing they're facing some challenges ahead. Yes, right? they're they're facing some tough challenges ahead. Yes. And I think that that's a group of guys who a lot of people society looks at as what a waste, right? These guys are nothing but criminals. Um, they're just you know people out there committing crimes and da da da. Right? I look at them and I see trauma. Yes, right? and I see a lot of unhealed trauma. I see a lot of men who came into my program a week ago, and I look at them. And I see how much trauma did these guys face as kids, right? And like, I look at them, listen, all they want to do is not be shamed. They want to feel loved. They want to be built up. If we as a society want to help these folks, we cannot cast shame on them. Right. And that is why I'm so open. And there's a lot of relapse there. And I look at them, I'm like, everybody who comes in those rooms, that's why I speak so openly about it. I truly believe, Don and Greg, I experienced that relapse for the sole purpose of lessening the shame of the people who walk into my art studio who suffered relapse recently. Yes. I believe my higher power, I get the goosebumps from it. I believe my higher power made me go through that lived experience so I can have empathy and compassion and build these people up. Well, and you know, for me too, I also had a relapse. I didn't make it my first time either, you know, and mine was not seven hours. Mine was three years mm-hmm. ride from bloody hell, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, I did it right. I got out there and got the damn job freaking done, dude. But I, and there's where I found, you know, alcohol is my first love always has been, but then you had pills and then I found crystal meth and I was like, was wow, mine. this shit's awesome. Yeah. I can drink more and stay up longer. You know, and it all that shit almost killed me. Yeah. You know, but then what was happening for me too, when you're talking about trauma, it wasn't just my childhood trauma that was unhealed, untalked about, still undoing me in my head, but I also suffered a huge, tremendous trauma in my adulthood yeah. that I thought through an organized religion that I could handle it. I could make it better. I didn't need that. I needed this. And you know what I have? I love that story about the flood where the, you know, the guys get in a flood. Somebody comes and says, we got to get you out, evacuate. He doesn't go, you know, God's got this. Then the boat comes, wants to get him out. He doesn't go. God's got this. Then the helicopter. And then when he gets up there, you know, God's like, well, I sent you three people. You didn't, you didn't go. You know, for me, God works through people. 100%. And so when all of these things started happening and this trauma stuff started resurfacing, you know, I had some people actually from Crossroads that stepped in to help me. And I found a um, deep trauma therapy place that I went to for a week. Changed my fucking life. Yeah. 100%. You know, but I'm not saying that every day is great for me. I'm not saying that I don't still have PTSD come up, these triggering kind of things or people again that happened to me, but to at least have that basis and have that understanding of the trauma and how debilitating it can be physically, emotionally, spiritually. Hugely. It's nuts. People trigger me all the time. Yes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They, they but really you know do. what that is? You know what my therapist People. says? Yeah. No, my, my therapist goes, and, and truly, like somebody who does trigger you, like I've had bosses in the past that have triggered me. And my therapist goes, who is that boss? Yes. I figured that out in with somebody. Like who oh. is that? That's mm-hmm. the reason why sure. you're being triggered. There, sure. There's yep. something about them that is triggering from a traumatic event yeah. that happened to you at some yep. point in your life. And that took that's me. really what it is. Yep. Four years to figure it out about a specific person. And when I finally figured it out, it was like all these pieces started fitting together. 
And then and it's I un- got to work on it. I got yeah, to try un- to figure it out. Hundred percent. You become less bothered. You, you know, I, I think it's I think it's hilarious that that there's there's a story, and I've been dying to tell you since the first time you and I sat down and had yeah. lunch when you told me everything. You gave me your book and everything, and um, it's a it's a piece of art. I went to an adult art class with my grown family, right? And I started out in one way with this little thing, and what it turned out to it's a whole long story, but it says on it find your purpose that's what i ended up with and it hangs above my desk at work um i think everybody i think i think everybody finds this who's truly recovered and truly in their recovery they find that Mm. when when they get somewhere along the line when they really actually are in recovery all the way through they find that part of them right that's what that's what we're all looking for What's vital to survival. Yeah. If you if we don't have a purpose to live, we won't. Right. And I and, and and really I tell people this now too, from my experience in shamanism, is that people oftentimes, if you look at healers, right? People and their adults, they're these true healers out there, right? Yes. People who impact a lot of people. Yes. If you really dissect their life story, healers have suffered a lot of trauma yes. in their life. And it's usually people who suffer trauma early on in life, the second part of their life, they become healers. Now, my shaman has me of this belief because I suffered a lot of childhood abuse, right? And so my shaman goes, and I don't have a relationship with my parents, so I still harbored some resentment, right? And he goes, Brandon, think of it this way. You chose your mom. I know. Before you, your soul entered this world, you chose her for the lessons, good and bad, that she was going to teach you. And he goes, she's not in my life. And so he goes, and Brandon, did you ever think of it this way? That when you chose your mom, you did not choose her to be your mother for the full part of your life on earth. Wow. And he goes, and Brandon, he goes, had you not suffered as much as you did in your childhood, you would not be doing what you are doing today. Exactly. Do you love your life today? And do you love what you're doing? Yes. Brandon, you were meant to go through what you went through as dark as that was so that your soul can live out its purpose to help others heal. The moment I got into that belief, everything flipped for me. Yes. I don't harbor ill will towards my parents at all. In fact, I love them dearly. Do I have a relationship with them? No, but I love them for the good and the bad that they taught me because I'm the man I am today because of that lived experience. I don't look at it bad, as bad at all. So those of you out there who have suffered a lot, think of it this way. That could lead you to your life's purpose. Could lead you to your life's purpose. Find and, it. You know, and, and that's exactly what happened for me too, Brandon. And I think that living in that place that I was in for so long of not understanding why. And it it was like the same thing kept getting repeated, the the sexual abuse over and over in different ways in my life. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And the last time that it happened, um, I was actually working someplace and it happened there. And the boss came to me and I started describing, well, this is what I see is going to happen because it had some law implications, you know, attached to it. And I said, I can see this, this, and this happening. And it dawned on me right then. I am now not the victim. I am now the teacher. And I got to actually walk through with my boss what I thought was going to happen, what the sequence of events was going to be and what could happen. And that was a great teacher too. You know, all of these things, all of these spots are such amazing teachers if you allow them to be. Mm. You know, can I always allow them right away? Not always. You know, sometimes I got to process and I got to think and I got to figure out what does this mean? Well, you know, in recovery, and it's why insurance companies actually allow peers to lead groups in recovery and actually build to insurance. Absolutely. Like, I don't have to be right. a licensed therapist in order for a treatment center to build to insurance. I'm going to tell you why. Why do insurance companies believe that? Because they understand that a peer can get through to another addict better 
oftentimes than any therapist out there. Why? Because of empathy, compassion, and lived experience, right? It's no difference, no difference. I could not have the connection that I have with the men and the women who come into my Art of the Soul program. I could not have that connection if I wasn't them, if I hadn't lived through what they are experiencing. I right. can do it. You, can, you can't write that stuff. And we say that all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> Somebody's telling a story and they, no. and they're, or why they understand what somebody else is going through. And you hear a little bit about what their experience is. And I've, how many times you can't make this stuff up. No, you and, can't put this into a textbook. Right. There's no way there's, there just isn't. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree with that. And, and, you know, listen, some people are like, you know, I've, I've heard this God argument cause I'm like, I'm more, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. By any means, growing up Catholic was terrible. I can just put that out there. We know all the jokes. Being awful. God, it was just awful. I'm like, my parents didn't even go to, this is how it was like messed up it was. I'm like, why am I going to a Catholic school? I was like, y'all don't even go to church, right? It was because it was like public perception, right? My parents Absolutely. wanted to, sure. we're sending our child to sure. private whatever. school. Yes. And I was like, bitch, you ain't even fucking, you don't even go to church. Fuck? Now I got to sit here as a gay kid, right? Yeah. Being chained every damn day by nuns and priests. Right. Me, I'm gonna burn in hell. Thanks, mom and dad. You know, but you know, I go back to say that somebody's like, well, if God really exists, or like, da da da, how can all bad things happen? And it goes back to my whole thing. It goes back to my whole thing is that like, I truly believe that in order for us, like, in order, I truly believe now, which is why I'll go be at a restaurant, or I'll be at the airport or the grocery store or Home Depot. It's really random. Yes, and people come, Home Depot is like where it's at. Yeah, really. it is. Brandon, it's like. You oh my God, Brandon! I see, oh my God, and I'm there all the time. People are like, "Oh my God!" Like I watch you on TV, right? I used to watch. I watch you on TV. Da, 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 da. Did you know it was like two weeks ago, and it was like the best. It was such like the best feeling ever. This woman comes up, and I'm having dinner, and she interrupts. You know, she kind of interrupts the dinner. She goes, "You know, listen, I'm really sorry to interrupt." And I said, "It's okay." I was like, "Here we go. I see you on TV." She goes, "I just want to say thank you for everything you're doing in recovery." Oh. She never mentioned TV, anything. And I started crying. And my friend goes, B, are you okay? And I said, I never want to be remembered as a journalist. I do not want to be recognized as a journalist. Like, I'll start crying right now. I said, all I want is my legacy to be helping people. That's it. Like, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. I do not want to ever be remembered as some guy you watched on TV. I don't fucking care about it. All I want to be remembered or recognized for is being able to use my lived experience to try to help somebody else. And that's it. Do you remember, do you remember when we had lunch the first yeah. time? And At Crossroads we, we, yeah. in the lunch hall, yeah. the mess hall. And do you remember the kid that came up to you oh and was God. absolutely going over the top? <laughs> yeah. And he said that. Yeah. It wasn't because of being on the news. It wasn't because of being on TV. He said, my mom gave me your book. Yes, that's right. He was absolutely going crazy. And I yeah. was sitting here going, I just met this, <laughs> this guy. guy. I don't yeah. know anything about it. He you has know? a book? And yeah, well, no, he, he gave me the book. But yeah, I mean, yeah. He didn't give but, me one yet. But, but he did the same thing. It wasn't because you were on TV. He said, man, my mom gave me that book to yeah. read. And he was, you should have seen this kid. It was awesome. It can was we awesome. take a picture? Can yeah. we do? He was ecstatic. And it wasn't because it was, of it celebrity because of status. No. It was because of what you've done in recovery. Yeah, so, thank you. Um, I hope you have a whole lot of those. Yeah, I, that's I, I don't it. know why you wouldn't. Yeah, that's, I think that's it's life awesome. for me. Yeah, that's what I want life to be for me. Do you, do you, yeah. you know? Oh, look at I, that. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. Do you it's know what? Um, thank you. Oh, no. I, 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 I get to um, say that I experienced watching some of that happened when I was with Greg and his guys over that. Was that the very that first time? That was the first one. That was and the very first one when she was and there. Joe was there yeah. too. Yes. And they were sitting the there, that there. guy yeah, that yeah. was like, oh, sitting God. there. <laughs> this better go. <laughs> yeah. This better <laughs> go well. <laughs> oh, you're here oh, to take oh, pictures? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but watching those guys, especially the one... Um, with his arms crossed, and he just kept looking yep. down. I have a picture of that. Arc. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. I have a picture yes. of him. I know exactly yes. what. I I know exactly yes. which one you're talking yes. about. I have it. On and my he phone. didn't even want to go to it. He thought it was silly. Yep. And then he's sitting there, and I went over to him and I said, "Dude, what do you think?" He goes, "I didn't want to come, and look what I made. I made this. 
you know, I made this and that was the general consensus everywhere we kind of went. And then I got to be with those guys. What was it just like three days later over there for the Eric Jenis concert? And they were still talking about it. They were still oh, loving it. And they're, and they're coming to yeah. me. They're going, Donna, when are we going to get our paintings? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I was just there. <laughs> they're taking pictures, and, but and they we, wanted their work. And we put them on sensory overload the first week that we did the Art of Our Soul. Yeah. Um, that was that same day. Yep. That night, yeah. we had this guy come in with a violinist and a cellist. Yeah. And... These guys are, you know, they, you know, 14 guys out of this group went to your thing, did something they've never done before and had a complete and total breakthrough. Cause trust me, every single one of them was ecstatic about getting their painting back. But here we are that night throwing this really, all these, these stories (laughs) that this guy's telling and everything. So we went from art to music in, in one day. It's awesome. Yeah. That's no, what they need. Uh, that's why I buy cases of Kleenex yeah. at that facility. Yeah, that was amazing, amazing too. We, we need to invite you to that concert. He's going to be back yeah, next you know what month. I would, you I guys wish, need to connect. Yeah, I, I wish you could have come back for, for when we hand them back out. I know. When we get those paintings back out and I go into class and those 14 guys get to come up. And, and the first time I said, you guys are all going to just stand right here because I wanted everybody else to see because you're going to go, go and do next. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was that first week and they all got up there and they stood up there and they held them. Now, most of them were like, oh, how do you how do you hold this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which way does this go, right? Because it's a total it's abstract, abstract yeah. thing. Any way you want. Any, exactly. Any way you want. But I mean, some of these guys were like, wow, that is so freaking cool, man. It's been that way every week. That's amazing. It's yes. awesome. I was there. It's so I, awesome. I stopped by the. I stopped by the. Uh, it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, you came I, by I came, Thanksgiving. I came by on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I wasn't there because I was open on Thanksgiving at Art of Our Soul because uh, the, another recovery center goes there and the and the 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 week before Thanksgiving they were every Thursday and they looked at me and they're like, um, Brandon, are are you going to be open next Thursday? And I looked at them and I was like, Oh, I know exactly where this is going. I was like, Do you want me to be open on Thanksgiving? They're like, Yes, 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 yes. And so the CEO that treatment center called me and goes, oh man, they're all saying that you said you're going to be open on Thanksgiving. Is that really true? I was like, oh my God. I was like, yes, I will be open on Thanksgiving. So it was a beautiful gift that I could give them. It was a beautiful gift to me as well. Yes, the holidays that, are yep. tough for addicts. And so that afternoon as I, I went and stopped by Crossroads and two of the guys came running from upstairs with their artwork and they're like, will you sign it? I was like, you made it. I was like, why do you want me to sign it? I was like, that's your artwork. You're supposed yeah. to sign it. They're like, no, 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 no. We want you to sign it. We want you to sign it. So I signed the back of their artwork, but it was just a huge proud moment. You know? here, was, here was the best. The best was the first guy who came up to me, you know, aside from everybody else. And he goes, hey, Greg. And he's looking around like, you know, i got to make sure I don't blow this. And he goes, if there's room. I know exactly who you're talking about. I want, I want to go back. I know exactly Can who I you're talking about. please be the one to go back? Now, this is a guy who is the furthest. Yes. No, I know exactly who you're talking from about. From what most the- people would have those expectations. You know, that. that I know who you're talking about. That. I hate to say it, but the stigma that the is stigma attached, of, a, of right? a gangster. Uh, yeah, he fits the profile like, of a gangster this, who you think this is badass. Gonna... He doesn't want to go back and do artist again, dude. Okay, so the story about this guy. So when he walked in the first time, I mean, like, listen, Crossroads could be some blue collar dudes, right? Like, Absolutely, just oh, yeah. blue collar dudes. A lot of them have served time, you know. Like some of them have gang history, whatever. Of course. So like. <laughs> it's so funny because when I came to even pitch the idea, not only to Greg, but to even to Joe and stuff, they're like, you know, our crowd. And I'm like, I've sponsored five guys from Crossroads. Like, I get your crowd. <laughs> so, um, and so this guy walked into this art session and I look at him, this one individual out of the whole group. I'm like, oh, he's going to be a tough one to crack. Like his first time. And so I'm like, oh, this one's going to be tough to crack. Like, there's no way I'm going to break through to this guy. He just looked at me and gave me like this gangster look. Like, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, okay. So anyway, so we do it at the end. He's like, same as that other guy who did not want to come. I see him just doing this for like 10 minutes. I go up to him. I was like, yo, Bo, you like that? And he goes, how did I just do that? Then the next week, (laughs) he comes walking back in. And I look at him and I say, now, wait a second. (laughs) Are you supposed to be here? I was like, ain't no two people supposed to be coming back to week to week at Crossroads. How did you get in here? And he goes. 
like, don't, don't anybody, don't anybody. <laughs> and I went up to him, I was like, yo, you came back. And he goes, man, I want to do another painting. And it was, and right. then when I saw him on Thanksgiving, I went back on Thanksgiving, he was out in the parking lot. This was a dude that honestly, from the outside, I would never approach. Right. right. Okay, just, right. I would Let's look at him. Let's put that out there. Not approach yeah. Other way, other way, <laughs> other way. <laughs> yeah, I look at him like, okay, I'm going to walk the other way. Um, and like double click my alarm just right, to make right. sure it's yeah, locked. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. so fucked yeah. up, but it's right. true. So I, he sees me park in the parking lot. <laughs> We've all done it. Yes. So I'm just speaking. I speak in an audible. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're offended, fuck off. So, um, so I, because you've done it too. So I park in the parking lot and he sees me get out of my car. He like beelines right for me and gives me the biggest hug. Yeah. And it was just like so amazing. Yeah. So that's so amazing. the stuff yes. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Be remembered for your yes. recovery stuff and see yeah. it's making that transition already. Yeah. There are a lot of other things that that you and I have in common. I I was um, I was in Huntington Beach in Orange County. Yeah, and um, I, I Huntington I, Beach when you grew up it was sketchy. No, it wasn't. It was already it was, nice. Turn oh, around. No, 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 no. It was before it got sketchy, and oh, then it got nicer. Oh, okay. Afterwards, I was like, right? when I was there, right? I was like, Huntington Beach is a little sketchy. No, at no, time. no, no. This was before the boom. Before mm. I mean, come on. My dad's a pastor, and my mom's a teacher, and right. we were living in a house that now is. Is listed at whatever it's a million five. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. It's crazy. So, yeah. anyways, but what I was going to say is um, the way that our stories unfold and the way that things happen. You know, I was absolutely devastated when they said we had to move back to Phoenix, mm-hmm. which is where I came from. I was born here, and I thought, no, how can I leave this paradise that I live in? Right. But then I, you hear. I hear about all the friends that I had that I thought were so cool. <laughs> yeah. And it was such a, it was a paradise. It was a paradise. You lived in a place where you could leave your bike out overnight and no oh, one gets sure. stolen. And, and, you know, five minutes from the beach and all these things. And I, and I just remember how devastated I was. And, and this is one of those lessons that I had to look back on because I also realized when I got to Crossroads and got sober that that was all experience. Right. I was going through a journey that I needed to go through to do what I'm doing today. And I love hearing you say that. I love hearing other people say that. Yeah. Because guess what? Um, if you don't turn it around and turn it into what it is, then it's always going to be what it, you think it could have been or whatever. It's, it's you know flipping what I mean? the script. And right. it's the same sure. thing about the trauma that we experience. Yep. Don't look at it and be a victim of that trauma the rest of your life. Right. You may have been a victim. You go into survival mode because as a child you can't fight back. But as an adult, you can heal. And you can yep. fight back that yeah. way. And so heal from that. Flip the script on it and look at it as a blessing when you work through it. The same thing with relapse. Flip the script right. on it. Yes. If you suffer relapse, who cares? Like truly, there's no other thing in the world that we chase perfection. Even if the professional sports team, I love this analogy because a lot of dudes will recognize this. If you're a huge NFL fan and your team is 16-0, and the coach wants that team to lose one game. To get the monkey off their back. Yes. Because you'll notice that team at 15 or 16 and 0, they start to play timid. The games start to get closer and closer, right? Because they're playing with this weight on their shoulders, right. like that weight of perfection. Being super careful. Don't want to make right. any mistakes. You're playing not to lose rather right. than playing to win. Right. Right. right? There's yep. a big difference there with is. the mentality, the mental shift. That coach, if he's being honest with you, is going to be like, I wish we'd just get a loss under our belt. Right. That right. way, get the monkey off right. your back yep. and then just go full throttle and play, right? And so, you know, I look at recovery. The same way there's no other thing where we chase perfection because perfection is unattainable it is right. unattainable you know and like somebody with type 2 diabetes they have a weak moment they go to 7-eleven and they take a slurpee and they go into shock do we fucking shame them no no no, no. right we don't shame them right if somebody has cancer and they end up having a cigarette do we shame them no so why do we shame people who relapse and recover right all i ask them is this yo man what went wrong what do you think you learned cool man let's keep going Done. Yeah. You know, flip the script. It could be the biggest blessing of your life. Get back up on the horse. For sure. And know? for a program that talks about we only got today. It's all that, that matters. Isn't that what's crazy right, about so the, the giant paradox let's that's stick involved to that. in this? Right. Because there are people, and I, the reason why I say that, 11 months ago, I had a gun to my head. Now I'm living the best, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. But 11 months ago, I'm happier than I was when I had 11 years or 12 years sober. I'm happier today than I hit 12. Like, that's the crazy part about it. And I had to live through that experience so I can ch- preach that experience. Like my life is happier 11 months after suicidal ideation and wanting to take my life than it was 12 or 13 years of continuous sobriety. So like take that for what you will, 
right? Take that for what you will. But what I, the reason why I preach that is because guys in recovery or women in recovery, it, if you've got three months, it doesn't take one year to be, to reach happiness or two years. There's no set time where you suddenly reach it. Cause guess what? You can reach it three or four months after you get sober. Right. And for you sure. can also be miserable at 35 years. A thousand percent. I've seen it over, no, and, seen and, over it. and over and over, and over. again. Over you call them over. the cranky old timers. Trust oh, me. A lot, of them yes. come at me. a lot of them have come at me real, real hard. Cause I, yep. I am Sit very down and shut up. Sit and down listen. and shut up and listen. Like I'm like, Kick cranky old man, you shut the fuck up and listen. There's, there's, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the, one of those moments that will always stick out in my head is when, is when the two people with the most time in a in a lunch bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go in to that a lunch meeting. Uh, got in a fight over a chair over who was sitting where. See, the Thank two you. oldest guys. Thank you. And they were both in their seventies. <laughs> And they come walking into the office, and one's got a cut on his nose. I'm like, what, what are you doing? doing? Come on. Right. And see, that's oh just. Oh, my God. That's not <laughs> what I want. But uh, honestly, like, if Jeez. you look at. No, listen. Like, it's so. Equivocate this. A lot of old timers in the group. That's like my parents' generation, right? Like, the true, true old, old timers. A lot of them looked at therapy as weak. Oh, and okay. it's not oh. acceptable in AA. You right. cannot be doing that. You, you cannot take therapist? psych meds. You, you cannot have That's my therapy. parents' generation. So I look right. at them all. I'm like, yep. I look at old timers half the time. I'm like, dude, you all are motherfucking some unhealed trauma motherfuckers <laughs> right. up in here. Right. Like, should you <laughs> shut up? Like, seriously. Right. I mean, that's why my parents, unfortunately, passed on a lot of their unhealed trauma to me. Right. Because therapy wasn't an open dialogue conversation. It was looked at as weak. When families looked at as, do not air our dirty laundry out to the public. We right. keep the oh. confines in because we want that public image to be great in the neighborhood like our family's the best right <laughs> well guess what i look at old time a lot of not all of them but a lot of old timers in the same way i'm like you cranky old motherfuckers how much therapy have you done so you have a lot of unhealed trauma there well congratulations <laughs> on the continuous in your medallions i hope that treats you well like what the fuck <laughs> and you know what if you hear somebody who's really honest about it i remember sitting down at, at, at lunch one time and listening to a guy who was sober for i don't know how long 25 years and he was telling a story about how he wanted to get, he had finally gotten divorced because they finally figured out that this was not a very good, and he wanted to get remarried. Mm. And, he, and, he was, and he actually had a therapist now. And his therapist said, you want to what? Don't you understand what you've screwed up for so long? There you go. Right. Having a little bit of outside counsel helps from outside of the, the rooms and the 12 steps. Well, listen, I, I mean, mean, I, my sponsor yeah, gave me I, some really bad advice. Like my first sponsor, like I had to call my mom every Sunday. Why? Because he goes, you need to keep your side of the street clean because if she ever dies, right? You never want to harbor that guilt that you didn't do enough as a son. That was preached to me by my sponsor. Well, I did that for years and it was traumatizing every Sunday because I would call my mom and she would never say the words, I love you back, even though I'd say I love you to her. And that's all I wanted to hear. So every Sunday, so then I get into therapy. Finally, my therapist goes, whoa, I'm, whoa, okay, wait, What? No, you do not have to call your mom every Sunday. Right. Night. You are what you don't understand, Brandon, is you are going to a well so dehydrated, so thirsty for love. And every time you go to that well, it's a bucket of sand that comes up. Brandon, there will never be water at the bottom of that well. Right? Because again, it's like, yo, dude, sponsor, you ain't a therapist. Just simply take them through the book. That is it. Don't Yep. You are not trained to take off your lenses and put on their lenses and see life through their eyes. Therapist and train people know how to do that so that's why i'm like huge on therapy it's um, a program should be like a pie chart right it's like a little bit of this some of that a lot of this and a lot of this yes meeting is a sliver of that pie yes yeah okay it's a sliver of that pie it's a sliver it's not the whole pie and and even in the big book though it does talk to you about getting outside help and when you toss that up at some of these old codgers which honestly i'm sorry if you're an addict or an alcoholic everybody should reach out for outside help Absolutely. I know I have. If you're of the belief, if you're of the belief like I am that trauma is unhealed trauma is the gateway to addiction, everybody who has an who has an addiction problem, you're numbing yourself for some reason, okay? Right. Everybody should be in therapy. Everybody should be seeking outside help. Right. Especially with today's advancements of science. And that's why I'm a big believer of the folks in New York, wherever the headquarters of AA is. I think it's in New York, isn't it? Yeah. So my message to them all the time is yo, update the book. Right. Update the book. Every other book out there gets updated. <laughs> Update it with the advancements of science, please. Neuro, I want to hear neurofeedback in there. I want to see the words neuroplasticity. I want some more explanation. Okay. We've advanced from the 1930s. Let's update the book. 
Right, or at least yeah. put an extra you, chapter oh, you in mean, there. You mean back when you either went to jail or an asylum? Right. <laughs> Those right. are your choices? Well, and I think the other <laughs> part of that Can is Can we catch to, up to science like, at some point? Is, is the different types of drugs. I mean, who would have ever that thought too. about fentanyl? And, and you're looking at this, and I, I'm working with somebody right now, and I'm, it's, it's causing a conflict in my head. Right. I'm trying to work with her and talking about alcohol. She's hardly ever drank in her entire life. Right. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> when I first got sober, I, alcohol was never my issue. I never, um, I was never a drinker. I just went straight to drugs at age 15. So when I first got sober, my sponsor was like, you need to admit you're an alcoholic. I was like, yeah, no, I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict. Like I never once got drunk. Like I don't even remember ever getting drunk. Like what do you mean? Because you have to say the words, I'm an alcoholic. It's so old school thinking. Fuck it. It doesn't matter. You could be a gambling addict, a sex addict, a porn Whatever. addict, a shopping right. addict. It right. doesn't matter. The thing is addiction. Okay. It's unhealthy behaviors. So it's just right. Fucking, I don't care if you're fucking drink a 12 pack or anything. You know, the old school, a, a, a old school airs like, don't you talk about drugs up in here. Oh. Y'all fucking shut up. Yep. Shut up. It's addiction is addiction. <laughs> I, I think seriously, don't you talk about drugs up in here. Here's the other thing too. This is what I call people out all the time. This gets me here fired up. Ready? Here we go. You ever been to an AA meeting? Somebody relapses, right? Yes. You see them, their heads bowed. They go up to the front of the room. Shame, right? Yes. Yeah. Right? They're getting their 24-hour yes. shit. And you fucking hear this. Keep coming back. I'm like, <laughs> could, could you have said that any more patronizing to the guy who's going right. up there? Or is that just your thing every time somebody relapses? You just sit there and you just go. They sit there with their arms crossed. Yeah. Keep coming back. <laughs> I'm like, no, seriously. Like, that's not cool. If you really mean that, go up and give them a hug and go, dude. Yep. Don't give up on yourself. Yep. Don't give up on yourself. Keep coming back. I'm glad you're here tonight. Is the way you say yeah. it. And I'm sorry. You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. It's keep yeah. coming back. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. That's patronizing. That's not sincere. It's not sincere. As a matter of fact, you're like, keep coming back. Fuck up. Yep. That's the way it sounds. Right. Yep. That's the way sure. it comes across. Sure. And it's usually, in all honesty, from old timers. And I see a lot of younger guys picking up that same Oh, yeah, it gets right. passed along yeah. for passed sure, along. just like everything else in the program. Right. I mean, it gets handed down, handed right. down, handed down. You keep going. It just becomes a saying rather than meaning, yep. right? It becomes a yep. saying and an automatic reaction rather than heartfelt meaning. Right. Go right. up, give that person a hug, and tell them they did not fuck up. Do you know, we? Yeah. I, I work at admissions at Crossroads, and I see that a lot because I'll go through that admissions. Yeah. And you can see them, people that will see me and they'll just it's shrink. Sh- it's just and the I go over to them and I'm it's like, sad. I am so happy to see you. Yeah, but Donna, I fucked up. But it's okay. You're here now. Yep. That is the point it that is. you're here right now. <laughs> That's it. And you're trying this again. It does not matter. No. You know, we say that on one hand, but then you get into a 12-step meeting and people are... You know, so it's just kind of conflicted, you know, because I know at Crossroads, we will help you and help you and help you and help you because 100%. we understand that you don't always get it the first time. Right. You just don't. And hey, you people that are out there, if you need help, Crossroads will and can help you. Call admissions at 602-263-5242 or visit our website at the crossroadsinc.org what an amazing day this has been it's awesome awesome it's awesome i am so go glad to crossroads and maybe you can end up at art of our soul doing some dope you will end thing. up at yeah. art of our soul <laughs> right with brandon <laughs> right? lee who has been in the studio with us today yep thank you thank so you. much my friend for thank being you. here appreciate it though good, good, good good to have a conversation you're you're openness i think that we need more of that and i'm so thrilled that you came here on the podcast thank you to do that because we need it and greg thank you for coming and co-hosting absolutely you've been amazing uh, oh yeah i've <laughs> kept my mouth shut keeps me out of trouble that's one thing i've learned <laughs> no it's it's a real pleasure to be here and, and it's so i'm I love it. Oh, I love it. You know, nice. I showed up to almost every class yeah, that we did awesome. over there yeah. because because I got to sit there and watch real real shit happen. Yeah, it's freaking amazing. Yeah. And that's it's what been happens a yeah. for me. Yeah. Yep. Watching you work, watching you with these guys and showing them, "No, I'm not going to do it for you." No, I'm like, you, no, no, no. I will they're like, show "Here, you, you take what? the ball, right? You do it." No, no, no. Hold on. Now, no, I got to end this with with one real quick one. The very first class we did, I think it was the very first class. And Brandon's got these shoes on, right? And he's telling the story oh, about these shoes that he started 
making it was kind of by mistake like and, the, yeah. and the, he went this. through he went i know uh, yeah yeah well <laughs> oh no no they were white oh, yeah, and they, they white. were They're splattered with and all the colors this this oh that's right I <laughs> we had we had this guy and he and he <laughs> took his <laughs> shoes off he took his shoes off and he went outside <laughs> and i look out the window yep. <laughs> to 12th street and he's sitting on the curb and these things are made of mesh. They're not even solid. And yeah, he's sitting there is. doing this yeah. and yep, splashing yep. paint on him. And all it's doing is soaking in. It didn't even. <laughs> didn't make any way, splatters God bless at all. Him. He probably wants to go take those because Brandon said he was selling them for. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was telling people, people send me their vans. They pay me 250 bucks to do this to them. Wow. Yep. I'm like for splattering some paint. And it these guys hilarious. are like, Brandon, can we take these paint sticks outside and like splash our clothes in? I was like, outside, not in the art studio. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine all like 15 oh of these Oh my gosh, can you would, sticks yep. and The Dexter room. I'm like, yes, I'm like, get out. <laughs> right, outside, right, right. Outside, outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. too funny. It's awesome. That's too funny. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so thank much you. for being here. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation with your host, Donna Alexander. Join us next time as we continue our candid discussions about addiction and recovery. Listen 24-7 anytime to this or any of our shows online at StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.